Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to all our regular listeners and those who are new to Aetherius Radio Live. Our sincere wishes that you are keeping safe and well during this very trying time for us all, and we thank you for joining us. Aetherius Radio Live is brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Let us lift our minds upwards as this hour of truth invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Firstly, I must apologize to our listeners for the sound interference encountered in last month's show, which was being broadcast on the Body, Mind, Spirit radio platform from three different homes in two different countries because of the lockdown. However, we do hope today's show will proceed unimpeded. We are indeed all currently experiencing difficult times, especially dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, but... The Aetherius Society has been extremely active during this period, holding this intensive program of daily services, both online and live stream. A very big thank you to all who have joined in with these. Today on Aetherius Radio Live, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be discussing an intriguing and fascinating topic, Aetherius Society Directives for the coming 1,000 years. So, without further ado, as always, it is my great pleasure to hand over to Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Hello, Nikki. Thank you very much. Thank Hi you there, very Richard. much, Nikki. Hi, Chrissy. How are you? Excellent. You? Good. Very well, thank you. Good. All Glad is well. to hear it. So a warm hello to everybody listening and a very warm welcome to you all. Uh, today, as Nikki mentioned, we will be focusing on something very important. This is a cosmic transmission entitled The Five Temples of God, and it was delivered to this earth on August the 26th, 1967, through the mediumship of Dr. George King. And this transmission was delivered by the Master Sirius. It's so important that this show is virtually going to be an in-depth study class on every sentence in this transmission, which is about the next 1,000 years. I'll be reading the sentences, and my co-host Richard will give his analysis of this based on his many years of study and deep thought about this particular transmission. Over to you, Richard. Thank you very much, Chrissy. Uh, what I would say is that hoping and this is no mean feat if we achieve it, but we're hoping that this will be, I'm sure it will be more than one program actually, because there's so much in this, that it will be educational for long-term seasoned staff and members of the Society and complete newcomers to us. And that's quite a challenging thing to do, but that's what Ethereum Radio Live is about. So thankfully, Chrissy is here to host program take me to task if I uh, get too complicated or if I'm not explaining fully properly everything that uh, is being said uh, we can't assume of course that everyone who hears this will know all the references 
but there will be other people who were actually members of the Aetherius Society when this transmission was delivered and when the book, which is now out of print actually, The Five Temples of God, was published. So I think the very first thing that we have to do before we even start on the text is make it very clear that it is out of date. Now that's not my uh, opinion. Uh, that is confirmed by the Master Aetherius himself. He himself, this great uh, intelligence, so vast we can barely glimpse uh, his grandeur, uh, has stated that it has changed, that the prerequisites of that transmission have changed. And we're going to try and highlight what those changes are. And I must say that as someone who was involved as much as, at least as much as anyone else who was involved uh, in helping and working with the Master on preparing the Ethereum Society for the future, um, in that ten, final ten years of his life, um, never once, to the best of my knowledge, did the question of the temples, the five temples, come up in those plans, except on one occasion when I personally raised the matter. And uh, it was a privilege to raise it because all the international directors who were gathered in uh, August 1980, sorry, 1990, for a meeting in Los Angeles, were given the uh, opportunity to raise a question to the Master Etherius, providing that question was relevant and important to the future of the Etherius Society. And uh, I took that opportunity. I don't believe the others felt there was a question they needed to raise, but I raised a question, and it's a question that ha it has been published. And this is the question which His Eminence was gracious enough to, to ask the Master Etherius, and I now read it. In a cosmic transmission delivered by yourself on August the 26th, 1967, you stated that the positions of the second, third, and fourth temples would re be revealed to myself and then revealed to the membership of the Aetherius Society if sufficient karma was manipulated. Would you care to make a further comment about this subject at this time? Answer from the Master Aetherius, and now I'm quoting from the Master Aetherius. Yes, most definitely. The first and second temples, when you are in a position to do so, can be built in America, anywhere in America, and England, or anywhere in the British Isles if you wish. Strategic positions are not necessary any longer. What is necessary is to keep away from natural If you are in a position to start, you may do so in America or in England, whichever is possible to you. After you have built the first two temples, no matter where they are, then I'm sure it will be revealed to the international directors, if necessary, where the others may be erected. May I stress this, please? In the future, it has to be the missions first, spreading the teachings secondly, and other matters after that. And that last statement, it really is an aphorism, a guideline for everything we do. Now, what has to be said, of course, is the context in which the Five Temples of God transmission was delivered. Richard, can I just was, ask something sure. there at that point? Yes, please um, do. That's very interesting. So you were, you're saying that you were there 
when our ma- with our master and others presumably, and he was taking a, a mental transmission from the master of Sirius, and questions were asked to be posed. And did yes, other people was, pose questions, or was this, this is very interesting? What, hap- what, what actually happened um, is that we had a series of meetings, and for example, one of the things that was agreed in those meetings is that uh, the existing spiritual energy radiators, this is known and has been revealed through the society, would be upgraded or, or refurbished and improved, and that, and that they could be in other places, and this was a priority. That's just an example of the sort of things we were discussing about the future. And during the course of this, um, I would say that Dr. King was always of the... I mean, actually, I remember 10 years earlier than this, Dr. King's walking in the dining room in Los Angeles when I was there at lunchtime one day and saying, everyone here seems to know that I'm going to be alive at the end of this year, but I don't know that. So he kept everyone on on their toes. So if you move to 1990, he was operating on the basis that he could pass on at any given time. He, he you know, now with him, you know, he was a strategist. He kept his cards close to his chest. You never knew how much he knew and how much he actually what well, didn't know because he wasn't allowed to know everything in his earth physical body. He was under limitation. Uh, but that was the basis of those meetings in August of 1990 to, to lay a plan uh, for where we go from here. And so it was very much that I mentioned uh, something that was high on the agenda was the building and improvement and building of further spiritual energy radiators. Now, as these meetings were coming to a close, um, we were given the chance, as I say, to raise questions. We weren't in the room when he, he had this mental transmission. I wasn't in the room. But I prepared this question because it was a loose end, I felt, from the five temples of God. We were told right. to be given the positioning of these temples, um, the future temples. It was known the first one at that point was scheduled to be built in Los Angeles. Was, uh, and um, I'll recap on that in a moment. Um, the other three, that it wasn't known. And that's why well, I felt you. it had to be answered. Mm-hmm. That the... In fact, it was the same time, uh, just out of interest, uh, the same period as when the star pupil transmission was delivered as well, in that period. Um, The answer, though, by the master theorist went a lot further than my question and gave us this um, sort of yardstick for the future. It has to be the missions first, spreading the teachings secondly, and other matters after that. Now, the point I would make straight away, and we will explain this as we go, is that it seems to me that by August of 1990, um, the building of the temples was in the third category, other matters. Right. Okay. When it was given as a project, which was in March, actually March the 15th, I believe, of 1965, to build a temple, not five temples, but a temple, it was absolutely inbuilt into the original directive by the master theorists again in March of 1965 that it was really for the missions. Uh, It was um, something which would be used. In fact, I I can quote exactly what was said about it in that transmission. It will not only be a temple where a handful can come together to pray, but a dynamic, tremendously powerful machine capable of the reception and transmission of mighty energies 
transmuting, uplifting, dynamic energies which can be radiated throughout Terra in a flash. This will be its inner function. Were it only to be a place where a few could pray, I would not bother to give the mission to the Ethereum Society, for you have outgrown such a veritable useless mission as that. Do not forget, the inner function will be the vital one. The outer function will be for your benefit, for you can gain further enlightenment, greater awareness, by attending such a dynamically charged place. So, important points there, and we will go into that inner function as we go through the text and what, and what it is, but it was geared around uh, spiritual energy radiators being placed in it, and energy being radiated in various ways from it. It was a mission, uh, not a base, but a center in a way. And in fact, there was a deadline on it. It had to be up and built by 1985, at the latest, in fact, sooner than that, 20 years uh, from that transmission of 1965. So that's the context of that original uh, instruction, and then this one, the five temples of God, as we call it, in fact, it was directives for the next thousand years. It wasn't just the temples, but that was a, a major feature of it, hence it became the title of the book. Um, that really spelt out a plan. Now, this is where I really want to stress the context, because the context is absolutely crucial to understanding it and understanding why it's changed. Because last year we did a show which people can look up as a podcast. Uh, I think we called it uh, Whatever Happened to Armageddon. And yes, we showed right. in it, yeah, that the great, great thing is, for example, since the Lord's Declaration, and we, we won't cover that at ground again, it's very interesting ground, but that when the Lord's Declaration, which is, to, to those who aren't in the know, was the declaration made about the coming of the next master to earth, and it was said that he will shortly come among us by a great lord, a lord of karma. That has been radically changed, and we explain why, and, uh, and, and also that he would have, that master would in all probability, had the adept not been here and done the job, he would have had to deal with Armageddon. We won't get sidetracked, but there have been big changes, and this transmission has to be understood. I think only when it can be understood in the 30 years that followed it, with Dr. King still on Earth in his physical body, can it really be used. Because if you read it as it's written now, you would really think, well, the Ethereum Society has failed. Uh, in fact, you'd think you'd have to conclude that Dr. King had failed to follow the directives given, and of course he didn't fail. What, what Dr. King did do was to come up with an even greater plan, an even more powerful plan, but a lot of the essence of the original instruction still applies, hence we're doing this, as, as you call it, Chrissy, a study class today. Am I, am I, uh, it's all clear, I hope. Yeah, it's very interesting because Dr. King uh, told us, of course, that if we know the two times, we know the third. So, of course, the cosmic yes. masters, knowing our past and our present, could foresee the future, which the master of Sirius did. But then along comes a cosmic master of the caliber of our master, was able to uh, you know, change the, the present and therefore change the future by all very his cosmic point. missions, very good point. karmic manipulation and so forth. 
That's true. And of course, it was a, I would guess, a karmic manipulation as well to provide this, uh, this, these directives because it's not taking it for granted that Dr. King would live. And, and I'll explain that uh, further. As I think if we, if we dwell for some time this month on the context, and you know, hopefully we'll get started on the actual text, but it's very, very revealing um, because this was given, as it turned out, two months before Operation Carmelite. Now, just to recap on, on that bit, which was the Armageddon as prophesied, the adepts, and we now know that, and we've now revealed, that Dr. King was one of those three adepts. He was actually adept number one. Interestingly enough, actually, in the book, Five Temples of God, it does reveal that adept number one fought the battle, for those who are familiar with this, the battle on Carnid Llewellyn. Uh, not Dr. George King. And, of course, Dr. King revealed elsewhere in our teachings, in writing, in print, that he had fought that battle. So, although we've revealed it now, it was there, in print, in his lifetime. Anyone could obtain that book in his lifetime. Anyone could obtain the other references, and they could easily have put two and two together and worked out that he was adept number one. Uh, but that's aside. So, the adepts were here on Earth. And... They had just completed the alien mission. Um, one could say a lot more about that, but let's just sort of get to the main point here, which is that the computation must have been that it was necessary to give certain directives prior to Operation Carmelite. Now, Operation Carmelite was less important, you could say, uh, it definitely was, actually, and it's, it's clearly in, in the way it's regarded. It was less important, very, very important, but less important than the alien mission. The alien mission and the eviction of the alien was really uh, what brought the adepts to Earth. The, I think the seers of old and the prophets of old didn't particularly, on the whole, see that battle. Certainly those who wrote about Armageddon, they saw Carmelite battle, uh, Perhaps they couldn't detect this because the alien android, which we've discussed quite a bit on the Theorist Radio Live, wasn't even from this galaxy, never mind this, this world. Um, and although it was a more important and, you could say, much more extensive uh, battle, in a way, than Operation Carmelite, strange enough, Dr. King has stated that Carmelite was more dangerous, in a way, for the adept. Uh, in some ways, more difficult for them because they were fighting a terrestrial there. The Satan and the dark forces around him that they were fighting were homegrown, you might say, terrestrial monstrosities. They were a product of us. They, were, they came from here. And that meant that much less karmic intervention was allowed to the adept. Uh, they were much more limited in the energy available to them. It was a much, much easier opponent to fight than the alien android, far less advanced and far less skilled, but they were in the greater limitation. So there were great dangers. I think Dr. King somewhere refers to it um, you know, as the most dangerous and difficult mission 
uh, to come. And this was after the alien when he said that or wrote that. So I think that's the reason why this transmission was delivered. Just about eight days, in fact exactly eight days before it, the spiritual push dates had been given for the next thousand years. Why would they be given then? They were given then because it was seen that the adepts were going to uh, have a very dangerous mission, which in theory at least could fail. In theory it could fail. And, and, and Dr. King always had that attitude. You, can't, you shouldn't ever take anything for granted. Visualize success, yes, but don't assume it. And so these were given. In theory, the adepts could have been killed. Dr. King could have been killed. And at least we would have had the spiritual push dates. And likewise, we would have had a plan for the next 1,000 years because this was then given eight days later and two months before uh, the uh, beginning of Operation Carmelite. And incidentally, in between these two, on September the 23rd, the transmission of three saviors are here was given by the Master Jesus. Can I just, can I just uh, interrupt there a second? Richard? Please do, please do. If you are fairly new to this show and you're listening about all of these um, different missions by the adepts, we have done previous shows about that, but you can also find a lot in Dr. George King's website, a lot of information there, um, which is drgeorgeking.org, as well, of course, in his fairly newly published official biography, The King Who Came to Earth. Um, but... Please carry on, Richard. Just wanted to mention yeah, thank that. You for that. Yes, thank you for that. Now, I think we have, a, again, in, in A Theorist Radio Life before now, dwelt on the significance of a thousand years, because it crops up yes. in different contexts. Um, and it's very interesting, I think, uh, that it's a thousand years that the, the, the Master of Theorist was talking about. And likewise, the spiritual push dates were a thousand years. And likewise, later on, actually, uh, those who are familiar, familiar with Operation Space Magic, and there's a book about that, and there's a satellite designed and prepared to have an orbital and operating expectancy of a thousand years. So this figure comes up a lot, actually. In fact, I've, I've got a, a very interesting quote that Dr. King uh, made in a lecture in November of 1966, so not long before this transmission, and this is, these are his exact words. A thousand years after I am dead, ladies and gentlemen, this might be taken as a prophecy. I will have a greater following than ever I had when I am alive, because these things people will gradually see to be true. They will try many other things. They will live through many lives. And they will come across many, many blank walls that they cannot get through. And then eventually, their memory banks will open and they will say, my God, I have wasted a thousand years. So Gosh. even Dr. King there was looking forward to that sort of using that time period. And on the face of it, it contradicts the idea of the, of the next master coming very soon. Because when the next master in one way, because when the next master comes, the sorting really speeds up. And the only people left, really, after that sorting is completed, will be advanced people who have chosen to stay, who do recognize Dr. King. So I can only read into all these um, plans for the next thousand years and talk of the next thousand years as an allowance 
for us to continue, for humanity to continue to gain experience for a very extended period. I don't know what it will be, but somewhere within a thousand years, it might be a lot less than that. But, of course, the longer uh, it's extended, the longer the sorting of wheat from the chaff, as it were, is extended, uh, and the later the next master comes, in a way, the better for a lot of humanity, because they'll have a much longer opportunity to change and be ready for it. I think that's a very interesting point, Richard. So many people I hear saying, oh, I wish the next master would come and, you know, and so forth. But in fact, Mm. what you're saying is completely true. It gives people a chance. And this is why we're here, isn't it? (laughs) After all. I think so. I mean, in a a way, uh, it's the only one reason why we should really want uh, the next master to come soon would be for the sake of the Mother Earth. You know, for her, the the great intelligence, the Mother Earth, uh, the sooner you know we get the, the, you know, humanity sorted out, the better. But yes. I don't think the people who say, I wish the next master would come sooner, thinking about that. I think they're probably thinking that they would love it. Uh, yes. I think a, a less selfish approach would be, well, let's give humanity as l- a bigger chance as we possibly can, providing that's what the Mother Earth wants or has agreed to. And I must say, you know, it it did strike me and it struck me just like half an hour ago. I sort of a penny dropped when I uh, recalled that uh, And I'm sorry if this is getting very complicated for newer people. What you will see from this, though, is that there's a tremendous depth and an abundance of knowledge and a fantastic consistency in Ethereum society teaching that it really does merit and warrant uh, intellectual, uh, spiritual, and intuitive probing and, and contemplation upon it. And it's rewarding, and it stands up to it. It doesn't just stand up to it. More and more jewels and gems are forthcoming when you start to do that. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a novice. I'm not claiming to be a long way along the path at all. But... I have found that to be absolutely the fact. And one thing that came very much to my attention uh, about half an hour ago, and you'll find this published in a publication, if you're interested in following it up, called Join Your Ship, uh, is that the Lord Babaji, the greatest master on earth, the Lord of the earth, a Saturnian intelligence, the master to whom we should all defer, if we're lucky enough to have the opportunity to defer, Uh, A very, very great intelligence indeed, very, very closely connected, not just to humanity. I mean, he's connected to humanity because he's saved us over and over again, just by being here, never mind by his actions. But, But more importantly, very, very closely connected to the Mother Earth as a living intelligence. He uh, went to Saturn between May the 29th and May the 31st, 1964. Uh, He was invited by the Supreme Tribunal, the controllers of this solar system, uh, you you know, not of the planets, but of the intelligences within the solar system. And he went there on behalf of humanity, not that humanity knew anything much about it. But more importantly, by far, he went on behalf of the Mother Earth herself. And a petition was made... And as a result of that petition, the initiation of Earth took place. Now, that's a, an incredible fact, which I haven't up to now 
done justice to myself, I have to admit. Because what it means is that the Mother Earth herself petitioned through the Lord Babaji uh, to receive her initiation. Now, she had put that initiation off for many thousands, many eons, you could say. I mean, she turned it down, we're told, even in the times of Atlantis. I must say that when writing the biography, and I did discuss this with my co-author, Brian Kniep, I, I discussed, would it be too much to say that she chose the timing of the initiation of Earth because adept number one was here? And we concluded that would really be too much to say. But I do think it's interesting that at that time when that petition was made, we now know that an alien race was starting to probe and enter or travel towards this galaxy. So the alien mission that was forged here was just one piece of an intergalactic jigsaw. And of course, it's the initiation of Earth that brought or prodded or prompted the alien android into action. And the timing of that is critical in that the three adepts were here and in their prime. I mean, Dr. King himself, adept number one, was then 45 years old. It's not a battle I think he would have wanted to fight 10 years later. I'm sure he would have done, or certainly 20 years later. So in one way, the time, and that's really the reason that brought the adepts to Earth, or one of the main ones, that and the Mother Earth herself, I believe. The timing could be related, actually, to Adept number one being here in that context and in that respect. And it could have been a deliberate move to bring that about then, rather than let it take its own course on its own time schedule, which could have been far more, far more dangerous to humanity. It would be done for the sake of humanity, not for the sake of the planet. She is as totally self-sacrificing intelligence. Have I gone too far there, Chrissy? Is it too well, complicated? No, I don't think so at all. It's very, very fascinating revelation. I, must, I was just thinking that I must have read Join Your Ship so many times, but Me too. pulled Me something too. out of it. It's like a gem, isn't it? And thinking around it. And, yeah. Wow, I think it's another show in itself, this one, isn't it? I think so. Very, it, very changed, it changed the whole course of even the prophecies, as you rightly said at the beginning, that had been given earlier, because what the adepts were doing and what Dr. King himself personally was doing, especially later on, was inscribing pages into the karmic book, mm. yes. changing the records, yeah, and um, changing the future. I think it's over to Nikki, isn't it? She's the, the future right now, isn't she? Oh, right. Yes, over to Nikki. Follow that, Nikki. <laughs> No, well, that was a big call. Gosh, thank you so much. Gosh, Richard and Chrissy, absolutely fascinating. And the revelations being made. And this is only just the first half of the show. So, so much more to look forward to. 
You are listening to Aetherius Radio Live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze discussing Aetherius Society directives for the coming 1,000 years. As mentioned earlier, in spite of continued restrictions in various parts of the world due to the coronavirus pandemic, the Aetherius Society is continuing its very active program of daily services, both online and those live streamed from its temples in London and Los Angeles. We are very pleased to report that the numbers tuning in continues to grow, demonstrating that hundreds of people are actively helping in this dynamic way during this global crisis. So when you visit Aetherius.org, at the top of every page, there is a red banner where you can click on the relevant links that will guide you to the various services being held. Now, in amongst all of this, Richard has been doing lots of radio interviews and these are all listed on his website richardlawrence.co.uk and you may be very interested to know that tomorrow may the 20th richard will be on wcet 101.7 fm late night in the midlands with michael vara and this is going to be for two hours and the times are 6.30 p.m. PST, 9.30 p.m. EST, and for the UK, it'll be 2.30 a.m. BST on May the 21st. So that's something really to look forward to. And again, full details are on his website. Sadly for us, on May 23rd, that shining temple of light satellite number three will vacate its current orbit of Earth, having graced us with its presence and imbuing us with its vital spiritual energy since April 18th. But we will be able to send out our heartfelt thanks to these gods from space for their selfless sacrifice in a special service to mark the last hour of this spiritual push. This will be live-streamed from the American headquarters of the Aetherius Society in Los Angeles on May the 23rd, and details of which are on aetherius.org. The next Aetherius Radio Live show on June 16th will continue as part two of Aetherius Society directives for the coming 1,000 years. So that's it for now, and I'm pleased to return you to your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. And I should say that late night in the Midlands, of course, uh, is the Midlands in the USA, not the Midlands in, Lund- in Britain. Uh, and, of course, you had a, a big part in it. Chrissy, I must say, here and now, is responsible for arranging some of these interviews, and uh, and this one in particular, you did arrange, Chrissy, didn't you? Yeah, and I feel slightly bad about it since it's 2:30 to 4:30 a.m. your time. <laughs> but uh, you were gracious enough to accept it, and I, I'm doing a fantastic job out there with this. Actually, I've appeared with Michael before, and uh, I must say he's very open-minded, and we we got right into the nine freedoms and the text of it, and so on. So it was a pleasure to do. Well, that's great. Thank you for doing it. Chrissy, I think there's one other sort of thing that we do need to cover before we get stuck into this text. And that is the, um, this might be the wrong wordings, and if it's, if it's disrespectful, it's not meant this way. But if you like, the character and persona of the Master Aetherius and the character and persona of his star pupil, Dr. George King. Because it has a yes. bearing on this plan 
as against the plan as it developed afterwards, which is what we're going to be going into. The same essential tenets, by the way, I will say this, that were built into the original plan were all applied and extended by Dr. King uh, to even gr a greater level, as, as the master theorist himself later confirmed, uh, because he was still among us for 30 years. Now, to, to, to make that sort of comparison, if you like, one would have, to, I think, do, can do no better than to refer back to that transmission I mentioned of March the 15th, 1965. Because the master theorist, of course, knew his star pupil better than anyone, I would say, or certainly any intelligence we know of. And he said this about Dr. King. He said this, A man can have two great faults. One, he can be nothing. The other, he can be so great as to appear nothing because of his very greatness. This has happened. It was by design in a way, not our design, but it was known and foreseen. For when the world appreciates the leader of the Ethereum society, it will have advanced greatly. It must have advanced greatly to be capable of such a degree of appreciation. There's so much one could say about that statement. I'd like to pick on one, three words in it though. Not our design. In other words, there is, our has to refer to the master theorist himself and other cosmic intelligences. And whose design then could it have been if it wasn't their design? It must have been the design of Dr. King himself. And that's what we see after the five temples of God while he remained on earth. As I said earlier, it was delivered possibly on the basis, just as the spiritual push dates had been delivered eight days earlier, that he might not be in this very dangerous conflict to come. And that would be a karmic move, uh, to take nothing for granted. If you t if you, you're more fortunate, actually, if you are prepared. And so we would have had this plan, and it's a plan that we could have carried out. But then along came Dr. King, as it were, and changed it radically. But he did change it, and this is the point I want to stress, in a much more advanced manner and a less accessible manner, accessible manner, to the majority of people upon Earth. A, a shape power temple, had it existed by 1985, would have attracted a lot of publicity. It would have been uh, a focus for film crews. It would have been much easier for human beings to understand they know about temples, uh, and also it would have been a place people could go and experience the power, and that in itself would have been a great story. And I do think, although I believe the master theorist myself to be above the Venusian level, um, I believe him to be extreme. I'll give an opinion, and I want to stress it's an opinion. I believe he could even be at the solar level. But that's my Richard Lawrence's opinion, so feel free to uh, pass it by. But certainly he's extremely high intelligence, extremely high. Been described as a karmic advisor by our master, Dr. George King. Now, he was, though, and is, though, as far as we know still, the representative uh, of the planet Venus in interplanetary parliament. And the Venusian intelligence is a brilliant intelligence 
in the teaching arena, among many other things. They are the, some of the great teachers. We've been told this. Uh, to give, give two examples, there's Jesus and there's Buddha. And one very interesting statement that uh, Dr. King did make about the resurrection, and it's well known he couldn't stand the crucifixion as a thing uh, and, and didn't really agree with it. But the resurrection, he did say, among many other things, added tremendous publicity, if that's the right, I think that's the word he used, to the early Christian movement. And it would. There were many people going around claiming to be messiahs at that, at that time. Some of them had larger followers than Jesus had. Uh, but no one else was going around saying, you know, no one was being spoken about that they'd risen from the dead. And this was a message that St. Paul, obviously St. Peter and others, could take out and did take out. Likewise, the Lord Buddha was brilliant, apart from many other ways, in, a, in giving a teaching that was very uh, appealing, uh, that was demanding if it was followed properly. But it did promise a wonderful uh, bliss, great nirvana, uh, things that people on this earth do want. And it's different from the temple, but the temple, I think, would have been much easier for us, speaking of someone who's done uh, as much, certainly as much promotion as anybody else, and frankly, probably more in the Ethereum society, uh, much easier from that point of view. Uh, but what Dr. King did do, which is much more important than publicity, was come up with a far more potent plan for the salvation of our world. And this is something we're going to talk about when we get into the teachings, but uh, into the message itself. But I thought I'd mention that, and I would just add to that, that Dr. King, being so advanced, had very high expectations of humanity. I mean, I think that remark by the Master of Theories, that quote I made, by the way, is included in the biography, is something that all students of Dr. King should be very familiar with because it does explain so many things. I mean, Dr. King actually stated that governments should have worked out that the Saturn mission was proven and they should be taking that into account. And he virtually expected that in one way, but it didn't surprise him also that they didn't. He thought when Operation Prayer Power was introduced, as you may remember, Chrissy, that it would really catch on, that it would become yes. a massive thing, you know, in the world, or he hoped, and certainly in terms of its renown. And yes, it's had a fair amount of publicity, but it's difficult for people to grasp. And you do hear ridiculous comments: "Oh, these people pray into a box and you know worship a box or whatever." It's it's hard for, I'm afraid, and I'm don't wish to sound patronizing at all, but it seems that humanity finds that too big a, an ask to grapple with. Uh, they shouldn't do, but that's where we're at. Whereas, a, I repeat, a temple would have been much more understandable. And never mind some of the other missions that Dr. King came up with. And one of, the, you know, one of our vocations at Ethereum Radio Live is to try to make these very advanced, concepts which are the hallmark of Dr. George King and his brilliant cosmic mentality accessible and understandable and that's really why we're doing this show isn't it Chrissy? Yeah well, that's a brilliant point actually about the temples one I never have thought of myself about it being so much 
more accessible, so much easier to understand because people could go and feel and touch. And really yes. what we do, I mean, a person has to be quite uh, thinking, a person with quite a lot of discernment to really understand all the missions and so forth, apart from perhaps the pilgrimages, which are similar. They to are that, understandable, but, you know, yes. Yeah. So that's very, very interesting indeed, a very interesting point mm. there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think really now, 45 minutes into the program, we could start, couldn't we? We've set the we context. We could indeed. <laughs> so over to you, Chrissy. Right. Thank you so much, Richard. So I'm going to begin by um, reading the transmission, The Five Temples of God, The Master Etherius. Good evening. Now at this time, my message will be very important to the Etherius Society as a whole and indeed to mankind. Yes, I think the comments I wanted to make about that first statement I, I pretty much made. Um, the only thing I, I would really add to that is that, of course, it's still very important to the, to the Ethereum Society, or we wouldn't even be going into it, and, and people will find that as we go through it. And although, as I said earlier, I do believe the, five, the building of the five temples is no longer um, a, a mission per se, certainly not a, a one with an urgency to it, and we can tell that from the way the Master Ethereum spoke uh, in in the in August 1990, um, I do believe they will be built in the future. There's something of the future now, really. There's something possibly of the new age to some extent. Uh, there's something that will still happen, uh, and they will be important to the Ethereum Society and future generations. I'm sure it won't be our generation um, will, I'm sure, undertake this task. But I would add uh, that the secretary of Dr. King, Leslie Young, our dear friend Leslie, has searched high and low, and there is, she tells me, uh, no record of any designs that have been left for the, for the building of these temples by Dr. King. Uh, we do have a design, but we know that in that design uh, is our errors. It's not even a design, it's a pictorial representation, really which appeared on the front of that book for anyone who has it. Um, and he told me, actually, in a conversation over a drink one day, that he got that idea for that design from the type of hat worn by certain Tibetans. Interesting. Uh, but, but we don't have detailed sketches, diagrams. I don't want anyone to think that we do. Um, so that when future generations take up this task of designing a shape power temple, I'm sure they'll use the picture that we have, but it will basically be up to them, unless higher guidance is given in some other form we don't know of. Um, uh, and uh, that's, again, I think, interesting, too, that you, know, you would think that if the next master was definitely coming soon, we wouldn't need directives for a 1,000 years. So I'm not right. saying he will, it will be a 1,000 years, but there's an allowance, at least, for that to happen. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. For some years now, terrestrial man has depended upon the three adepts in many crises which have arisen. Many times have these individuals come to the rescue of mankind by performing their karmic duties. In fact, many times through history have they come upon terror in order to perform tasks which could not be performed by individuals then upon terror. One of them has been very frequently to this planet of yours, 
In fact, even Greek mythology writes about this one. He is known, or was known in olden days, as Hercules, and has been known by other names since that time. Another one of these specially trained fighters for supreme light has also been known by other names throughout history. The other one has made more fleeting, but nevertheless essential visits to your world. Just a short time ago, you stood in your darkest hour, faced by total mental and physical enslavement. Every man, woman, and child upon terror faced madness or worse, enslavement the like of which even the gory monsters from your history books did not contemplate. You were ignorant and powerless. The three adepts came to your rescue, and an ancient evil intelligence was thrown out of the lower astral realms of your earth. This had been there for centuries in migration, until it was triggered to move. You would have been powerless against this. Even before this, most of the terrestrial prophets were proven wrong by the direct action of the three adepts. You remember a certain pattern in the heavens, a pattern which was prophesied to cause vast world catastrophe. These prophecies were correct in every way except one. They did not reckon on the three valiant beings among you. Beings who, despite the way you have oft-times treated them, were still willing to sacrifice all for you in your childish helplessness. These three will come to your rescue even again, for very shortly they embark upon a terrible mission. They go to terrible places. They may endure terrible agonies for you, for you who are alien to them, for you who do not even know them, yes, and for you who have known them and have turned away from them, and for you too who know one of them and follow that one, and for you who know the others and follow them, they will go unseeking of their own reward again. Now such intervention as this cannot obviously continue indefinitely. Thank you for that beautiful reading, Chrissy. And it's a long passage, and the reason we didn't comment on it up to now is because it's not about the next thousand years. It's a recap of things that had happened up to date, and with a great emphasis, of course, on the three adepts. And uh, we know something, and we've discussed them before, of course, many times, just to repeat, the one uh, who has made more fleeting visits is, of course, adept number one. He's the only one among the three who hadn't been incarnated on Earth before. He'd been here, and what are described as fleeting visits, but he hadn't incarnated here before This that life. The other two had, and uh, on several occasions, it seems. But I, what I'd like to well on is that last line now such intervention as this cannot obviously continue indefinitely in fact it did continue for another 30 years but it, it couldn't continue indefinitely and I think we can see that illustrated by the way in the current pandemic because last month we spoke about Operation World Healing then and now 
And although, as we stressed, we have missions, we have things that we can do now that didn't exist then, we do not have the three adepts here now. And you can see the difference. In the Operation World Healing uh, pandemic, which would have been, it didn't become one actually, but um, it, first of all, it was nipped in the bud before it even started because of help from cosmic intelligences, from giving a plan, but mainly because of the actions of the three adepts in power transmissions. We discussed this. If anyone missed last month's uh, podcast, you can, you can hear it there. And you can see the difference. It just didn't develop at all. Now we're working very hard. I do believe there's a quite a difference between the beginning of a spiritual push and today, especially in certain countries. Um, you can see a marked difference and a marked difference of approach going on around the world. And I personally believe that's very much to do with, um, not only to do, but largely to do with satellite number three uh, and the missions and the actions that we've been taking in this period. But it's not the same, though, my point there, as having the three adepts here. And really that whole passage that you read there, Chrissy, is about the tremendous importance of the three adepts. And, of course, they were preparing, as I've mentioned earlier, for a mission shortly to come. Yes, and the Master of Theories continues uh, saying just that. When the three adepts leave Terra, they will not be replaced. This will mean that you will be on your own. And I think you've covered that, that Richard. Okay. I've oh, covered sorry. that to some extent. What I would add that, again, uh, with uh, Dr. King extending his mission by 30 years, we do know of some other intelligences who are, who are not incarnate on Earth, but are around Earth. And it's, it's another topic, but just to name them for those in, who are familiar, there's Adept number nine and his team, and there's the, the masters from Gotham. Actually, two of the masters were already here then. There's another one as well. That's another team. And as far as we know, numbers four and five might still be here. They were certainly going to be here until it was safe for them to leave. And more revelations like that were made. But it isn't the same, though, as having an intelligence incarnate in a physical body because that's the, a, a, a massive karmic difference because such an intelligence to some degree, can be a terrestrial agent while they're in that terrestrial body. It's not new in history. You can see it very clearly, for example, in the Ramayana. Uh, it's, a, I think, a very good place to find an example of a fourth aspect intelligence who was guided by the gods but lived in a, a mortal body of its own choosing. That's Rama I'm talking about there. And, of course, we know there have been many others through, uh, through history um, that's my opinion. It hasn't been stated that Rama was one, but it seemed very clear from the Ramayana. But there's been no intelligences quite like the three adepts, and they won't be replaced. Thank you, Richard. I'll continue. The third satellite will continue to come into orbit of your Earth for many centuries to come. This will mean that you will have to be informed of its movements. Now, as you know, your leader is a unique individual when compared with terrestrial men. He is an adept in his own right. Whether you believe it or not, that is the truth, and you cannot alter it by your disbelief. This individual has played a vital part for you all. He has left upon terror charged batteries, 
so that until you leave this classroom for a lower one or a higher one, whichever the case may be, you can tune into the energies in these batteries. Not long ago, your leader took sole responsibility for an operation which saved millions of your kind who lived between Alaska and a part of Mexico on a fault line which runs down the whole coast from the northern part of your country right along the California coast, as you call it. Thousands of individuals would have suffered death had this catastrophe been allowed to take its normal run. Your leader took sole responsibility for a mission which stopped this tremendous upheaval. An upheaval which would not only have affected the whole coastline from Portland to south of the border, but would have had its repercussions across the lower portion of Canada, right up into the northern polar regions, causing magnetic flux there to such an extent as to move the whole globe several degrees from her existing line of inclination. This would have had further repercussions as the gravitational forces exerted by your moon, sun, and other close planetary bodies caused magnetic upheavals which would have had repercussions through the whole global structure affecting almost every part of its surface. Whether you believe it or not, it is so. Operation Blue Water was responsible for relieving this condition and holding it in abeyance, as well as leaving holy monuments and saving wholesale global upheaval. This individual has acted as the main channel of communication between higher extraterrestrial forces and terror. And there, Chrissy, I think we'll have to stop. I think that's wonderfully read, and you've brought us right up to the nitty-gritty, which starts really with the next section of the next thousand years and where we go from here. Um, so th I think we've set the context this, uh, on this edition, and we'll really get cracking next, next month, uh, moving forward as to where the society is going. But I think now we have to hand over to Nikki. Well, that like gosh. a great idea, so thank you, <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. Well, well, gosh, thank you so much, Richard and Chrissy. I mean, there's just difficult to follow from that, for these amazing revelations and inspiring us all to go forward into an exciting future. Well, we're certainly going to look forward to the next Sirius Radio Live show, which will be on June 16th. And, as you have already heard, will continue as part two of a serious society directives for the coming 1,000 years. Please remember that the Ethereum Society is continuing its very active program of extra online services and live streaming from its temples in London and Los Angeles together with its regular weekend online 12 Blessings services. Details are on our website and, of course, 12blessings.org and the 12 in digits. As always, Ethereum.org has information and full details of the various publications and audio titles that are also available as ebooks, CDs, or downloads. You are very welcome to connect 
with Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. And don't remember, if you are able to, please tune in on May the 23rd from the live-streamed service from the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Los Angeles for the last hour of the spiritual push when satellite number three vacates its orbit of our Earth. So you have been listening to Ethereum Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month. We do hope you have enjoyed listening to the show and we certainly look forward to being with you next month.